and welcome to the Oh Dear Podcast. My name is Christian Grant, Senior Vice President of the Oh Dear Podcast, Oh Dear Nation, Oh Dear Limited, and all subsidiaries there in Fort Witch. Welcome to the 101th iteration of the podcast, where every week we talk about the things that will make your mother clutch her pearls, clutch her neck, and go, oh dear. With me, as always, are my two fellow hosts, Nick what Whitman an and Brett Raybould. Yeah. I mean, and- not only what an intro, but what a hook to a podcast, man. I know. The I only, mean, the most vaccinated podcast in the country. <laughs> I like how he, he, he was very inclusive on the moms. Like, your guys' moms have pearls. My mom just yeah. has a neck. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the royal we. The royal you I don't know, whatever. I don't know what that phrase means, the royal we. Uh, it refers to when you're describing a uh, you and a fellow group of white people. The king. The <laughs> yeah, <pretty> much. <laughs> uh, anyway, we were we were talking off mic when we had to talk right away. Uh, I was the playing, king's penis. Yeah, that's what the royal we is. I was playing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, all right, let's just gloss over that. Um, yeah. <laughs> no. uh, uh, let me interrupt me. Christian with one more, just as Christian tries to get the topic going. <laughs> I, 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 well, I have, I have, wait, I have an eighth what? of a riff. Hold on. Uh, all right. <laughs> so we were talking off mic about go. We were talking uh, off mic. I was playing them this YouTube cover of a guy named Alex Melton. Um, He's on YouTube. He has a bunch of different videos, but the one I was playing them was a country version of a Sum 41 song, In Too Deep. Mm-hmm. I actually like it. I was telling Whitmer off the off air that like it really points out how good the song is, like how well written it is. It's like a catchy mm-hmm. pop song that it works right. in like so many different genres, I guess. But um, so I was just playing for him and I know Brett had a point about pop punk that he wanted to talk about. Well, (laughs) Brett, you had something you wanted to share about pop punk with the class. Well, that's the thing. Pop punk is truly I think it is the genre that ages the worst for the (laughs) artist playing it. Yeah. Like specifically, because if you write a great you can probably do certain rap songs for kind of your whole career. You can definitely sing a lot of rock songs like it's like just classic yeah. rock songs your whole career, but pop, pop punk is like there's just something about being 45. At a certain point, you got to get over prom. Do you know what I mean? You can't, you can't <laughs> keep singing. <laughs> like you can't keep singing about yeah. like you know 18 or or even Stacy's mom. You can't talk about Stacy's mom when you're 50, dude. She's like right. 79. Leave her a fucking alone. Uh, so Dude, I think, yeah, you know, I don't remember if you guys, re- yeah, I don't know if you guys remember this, but we had this whole riff on this podcast, like maybe like 80 episodes about good Charlotte in their, uh, oh, anthem to the sure. fucking, what was that song that we were making uh, fun of so much? The fucking lifestyles of the rich and the famous. Yeah. And then like that guy ended up wearing like Cameron Diaz, Cameron and Diaz. Beverly Hills. <laughs> yeah. You can Google his house <laughs> and yeah. it's the nicest, most expensive house in the world. It's like you can only be like the fuck society guy. We're just farting on each other for so long. You know, like, that whole thing it becomes very embarrassing yeah. very fast. But it's I that's Jay-Z like, rapped about Jay-Z yeah. rapped about selling drugs and like being a gangster well into his 40s and no yeah. one cared. And they're like, yeah, whatever. It's whatever. But like the other opposite of that is like, come on, dude. But it is interesting because you're like Jay Z, like he's if I don't know his I don't know his current lyrics. I don't really don't know what they look like. 
But if his current lyrics are about like still being a gangster who sells drugs, I'm like, dude, you have like a wing of the MoMA that you own. Like you bought a floor in the MoMA. I don't know if you're that anymore. Of course, that doesn't deny that he was, but... Well, his uh, last album, newest album, I think yeah. it was his last, yeah, 4444 40, 40. or 444. 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he uh, he basically, somebody put it really well. He's like, he released the first adult contemporary rap album. <laughs> where, like, <laughs> it's old man rap. Ba- yeah. Yeah. He's like, he's basically rapping about like, like even Magna Carta, where he's rapping about like real estate. He's like, I could have yeah. bought a, a, like a, a place in Dumbo. He's like, but I didn't. He's like, now it's worth fifty million. Now I feel Dumbo. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he's just rapping about like wealth. He and had like a, yeah, he had a credit. fucking rap verse about buying art and then flipping it when it <laughs> increases its value twelve years yeah. later, <laughs> passing it down uh, to his kids because that's you gotta, where you put money. Because <laughs> you know, like you know, fucking inflation, dude. You gotta yeah. fucking you gotta think about the this money stuff. in something. <laughs> Diversify yeah. your interests. Uh, make sure you account for amortization. <laughs> <laughs> Municipal bonds, foreign stock. <laughs> Don't get stuck with the capital gains. <laughs> Diversify that portfolio. <laughs> that is funny. Wait, like, real quick, Gump. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no. Sorry. It's just I want to go back to um, – the pop punk thing a little bit because it's yeah. like I'm looking at the lyrics for Simple Plan, uh, mm. that band, yeah. the song Perfect, and like okay, so this is like a 20 year old song at this point, and, but this guy's still having to go on stage at like got to be 40 at this point, and now yeah. he's got to sing these lyrics. Hey, Dad, look at me. <laughs> 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 that's the first thing he starts his concert with hey, oh yeah, like how are you gonna be how long are you gonna be upset about your dad um, <laughs> I just want my own room <laughs> <laughs> yeah even uh, my allowance is bullshit <laughs> <laughs> His dad's in the audience, like he's been out of my house for twenty years. Like, Just fucking drop me off at the mall before I slip my wrists. <laughs> yeah, it, it does age the worst because it's ultimately written for like thirteen to fourteen year old kids, right? Like, what, like punk is even like for seventeen, eighteen, maybe even early twenties, like thrashing shit, like the original punk, right? Mm-hmm. It's just for like weird punky kids. But yeah, like, it was aggression. Pop punk, pop punk is straight up fucking yeah. um, just for like hot topic mall brats. Yeah, you're not punk if you're able to be played in malls. Like yeah. it's not. It's it, you know what I mean because it punk is you can't commoditize punk. Like that's that's not that yeah, I'm a music yeah. genius, but that to me is like completely antithetical. To like the the is it pathos to the pathos of pathos of that music style, it's like yeah, inherently right. anti corporate. Like, as you grow, you stop needing that type of music. Like when you're 13, it's like the same time. It's really funny. The same time you you don't need a trapper keeper anymore. You don't need <laughs> punk music. <laughs> it's like the same year. You're like oh, I don't What's need a, a trapper, trapper keeper this keeper? year. I got, you never had a trapper keeper. That might even be before Brett's time. Really? Uh, wow. Uh, that was like maybe. That. How do you uh, think it was like a, 
It, it was, was like, like a, a big, thing in the early 90s. Yeah. It was like a big binder. Not even early like, 90s, like late 90s. It was like a big, like a three-ring binder, essentially, but it was huge, and you could put like a whole bunch of like different notebooks. It's like for our school, you needed one, and right. you put all your subjects and different things with little folds in them. You never had a yeah. trapper keeper? And I, the- I, I, Yeah, I had a trapper keeper. We just called it a big binder. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, the big thing was that it right. had like a Velcro... Yeah, the Velcro strap. A Velcro strap that you could like close so none of your shit would fall out. It wasn't just like a three ring binder. Yeah, it was an upgraded binder. Yeah. It was super cool. And there was these uh there was these versions like the girls all had like the guys all had like Trapper Keeper. That was like the cool fucking badass one. And it had like race cars and shit on it and like futuristic designs. But the (laughs) girls all had one by this company, Lisa Frank. And that was all like <laughs> Lisa Frank is something that I want to make. I need to bring back in some form of comedy. Like, I just want people to remember it. It was basically like this, um, like, remember the scene in Anchorman when they go into like the cartoon world, mm-hmm. they have that like song in the writing on a unicorn. That's pretty much like the style of Lisa Frank. Right. It was That's all okay. like purplish rainbow unicorns and like yeah. magical horses and shit. Yeah, it's like all like even they did like dolphins that were all they were all like it's just weirdly colorful and yeah yeah that the, every girl had that though. I wanted to do a future Hall of Famers where we get trapped. It's like a Willy Wonka parody where we get trapped at the Lisa Frank factory and it's all like <laughs> fucking insane colors. <laughs> I don't uh, know this woman at all, man. You guys are really showing showing your age. Yeah, Whitmer, here here I thought me and you were the two young guns on the podcast. <laughs> Turns out I'm podcasting with a couple of Christians. I didn't- yeah, man. yeah, we're just a bunch of. Yikes. I can't believe you didn't know what a Trapper Keeper was. <laughs> I uh, was can I be real? Thing. When you said it, I was like, Trapper Keeper just sounds like some mountaineer like item that you have. Oh, right. Yeah. Doesn't it oh, yeah. sound like, oh, God, you know, we caught some squirrels yeah. in the Trapper Keeper. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't have a dishwasher, so we washed all this stuff in the Trapper Keeper. <laughs> <laughs> But no, we called yes. us a black fellow in the Trapper Keeper. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Uh, oh, racism! Yeah. If you trap them, uh, you get to keep them. <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! That's like the tagline <laughs> for the awful yeah. commercial. <laughs> oh. It's not slavery. We caught him fair and square. He's ours now. Yeah. Oh boy. Can I play this? This guy is um, Alex Melton, but he he has a Blink-182 cover of Semi-Charmed Life. So basically, if Blink-182 wrote Semi-Charmed Life from... uh, What's the Semi-Charmed Life is... uh, Semi-Charmed kind of life. That's not Sublime. That's not Sublime. Is it Third Eye Blind? Third Eye Blind, yeah. Hold on. Uh, Add, add, add. Tom DeLonge impressions are the best. I know Tom, of the Blink One Eighty Two singer. For those who aren't aware who that is, the Blink One Eighty Two singer who says "I miss you." They yes. all. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> They're so fun to do. Like, how really do you are. think that that's like? Like, how is that your singing voice? Fuck <laughs> you! <laughs> it's awesome. I'm a huge Tom DeLonge fan, and what's heartbreaking about Tom DeLonge is he's truly a brilliant songwriter blink when he do songwriting 
they have like their whole albums are great. They're like just good songs. And what sucks is he is trying to discover aliens and that's how he spends his free time and fortunes is thinking he's like an alien expert. But it sucks because this is a guy with a true gift and yet he's focused on this complete idiot thing. It's like if it's like yeah, but- LeBron James didn't spend his life playing basketball, which he's you know insanely gifted at, and instead was like, no, I need to sew hats or something. <laughs> yeah, at least that's like on par with like like if you told me that the the lead singer of Blink One Eighty Two would like become an alien conspiracy theorist, I'd be like, oh, that's that's better than like Good Charlotte. At least he yeah. didn't like completely sell out to like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like his stuff was so angsty, but at least he's like still on the fringe of culture you know what i mean he's not living in beverly hills married to an actress and like sitting by the pool that's kind of it's i don't know if it's like a disrespect for your gift but it's like it's kind of what daniel day lewis did like daniel day lewis has retired twice yeah (laughs) like the first time he decided he was going to be a cobbler like he's just going (laughs) to cobble shoes which is like that's annoying. Like, it's already annoying that you, we have to call you Abe Lincoln on the set all day <laughs> <laughs> to be like, I'm going to go to like a f- remote place in the world and cobble shoes from and learn how to cobble shoes from a master. Just he, like, but he fucking shows that because it sounds so yeah. old world. It sounds so idealistic. It sounds so pure. Like yeah. he wasn't yeah. gonna quit acting to be like, yeah, I, uh, you know, now I just uh, help rent cars for Priceline. Like I now just work for yeah, Priceline. Right. Yeah. It's, he's like you could argue he's not as good of an actor as someone else because of the amount of stuff he has to do to get in. Like in order for him to act well, he has to do all of this crazy shit. You know what I mean? Like it, it's like a, if it, he was like a basketball player and he's like, all right, like there was a Steve Nash towards the end of his career would literally have to like get ready for a game like three days beforehand you'd have to do like yoga yeah. you have to stretch get his back loose put on knee pads do all these things just to be able to play a game and like daniel day Why, like LeBron, yeah and he had all these problems so oh, he had okay. to like in order for him yeah. to be so like you know lebron just wakes up out of bed eats mcdonald's and then dunks at everybody you know <laughs> like yeah like there's actors who are like i think i heard anthony hopkins or something like that was just really good acting and then instantly when the scene cuts he's not the character anymore he's he's yeah. just like yeah i don't have time for that shit dude I think so anyway <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah he's I, like i'm not gonna fucking become something else that's just ridiculous yeah um you want you know to play a song think, oh yeah but just one second uh you know how i, th- I think uh, daniel day lewis is probably not a maybe he has a sense of humor or fun thing about him but like the fact that he's never done like an snl sketch or like even like appeared on like some ricky gervais show playing himself Uh, like making fun of himself as like the method actor or like even doing a bit on like curb your enthusiasm where he is like selling cars you know what I mean? like yeah he's like "Ah, i quit acting to sell cars like if that was the bit i'd be like i love this dude forever yeah exactly yeah a hundred percent you're right i've never seen him appear in anything comedic even if it's just like that there's those cameo parts where like oh shit yeah yeah he needs to i think he should do like a balls out like crazy comedy yeah art um, comedy dude i think I know, his, career, I mean, his, his career his career his career's in the toilet he's over he's he's out yeah he's done <laughs> but anyway this is the blink 182 cover of semi-charm live and we just like spent like two minutes like 
praising Blink-182, but when you hear how like easy it is for their style to be. Image Your like, Kind of Life is Third Eye Blind. Yes. Okay, uh, but okay, there's yeah, a Blink-182 version of, of oh, Third Eye Blind. Oh, oh, so, oh, 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 got it, got it, got it. Got yeah. It, okay. So when you hear their style emulated, uh, you're going to be like, yeah, maybe they're not that good of a band, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know how easy it is to just copy their style. Right. Turn it off. I don't like making fun of Blink-182. Turn it off. No, fuck this. No, dude, it's good, though. I know it is. Here's the thing. You know it's good. Just wait till we get to the hook. I don't know, can they hear it, the audience? Yeah, I First off, if that's if that is your presentation as an exhibit in your thesis that Blink One Eighty Two is stinks or is overrated or isn't that good, I didn't I say gotta that. Go, what'd you say? Because if you fucking don't, you fucking did. I, 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 I think it's it. like it's formulaic. Yeah, don't it's a little formulaic. When it, like you could just boil down their style into one song. Yeah, but that's the thing is. The goal of being a band is to have a sound. They somehow, they had a sound. That's That's like the hardest thing to get is to be able to, you ever hear a song and you're like, you didn't know the band and then the singer starts singing. You're like, oh shit, it is that band. But you, then you're like, yeah, it makes total sense. It sounds like Mm -hmm. them. That's the goal is they, they had a sound and they were like, I don't know pop punk as a genre that well, but they were the ones who figured out pop punk. I think everyone else yeah. in that, of that genre and era just like was doing a blink 182 copy. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I had that experience one time when I was like listening to, I was like at a place and, uh, with friends, I was like, I've never heard this Radiohead song before. And I was like, I, I don't remember this one at all. And then they were like, no, it's Muse. That's why. <laughs> like, oh, wow. That is, it's very true. Like, if, if there's a Radiohead song that you haven't heard, it's probably a Muse song. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny, man. But Blink-182, that's, a, that's an era I where that, I love them. I mean, they were, dude, they were like 17-year-olds who became the biggest band in America. And they were writing songs about fucking a dog. Like the, yeah, the critics were like shitting on them. You're like, yeah, because they wrote a song about fucking a dog. Like, <laughs> of course, of course, you're gonna not like it. You don't get it. I was 11, going, that is hilarious. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I was uh, listen to that sentence. I was 11, going, that is hilarious. <laughs> um, uh, they also have one of my favorite album names of all time: "Take Off Your Pants and Jacket." But it's not Whoa. take off your pants and jacket. It's take off the words take off your pants and jacket. Jacket, J-A-C-K-E-T. 
so Jacket. fucking cool. <laughs> so subversive, dude. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I got to be real with you. So I actually never knew that. I never knew that double that meaning. Got, uh, wait, that got by 11-year-old Brett? <laughs> <laughs> That got, dude, that got by 29 year old Brett. <laughs> I've gone back to the catalog. <laughs> that got by me now. That's, dude, that's like, there's so many layers, bro. There's so many layers to their shit. You can, I can I actually think there's for, only like two. <laughs> yeah. That was the second layer, Brett. <laughs> no, dude. But that fucking second layer, it takes 15, 20 years to get to it. Like, it takes, Takes a while to appreciate it. <laughs> like the Beatles had subliminal message, you had to play their records backwards. <laughs> this is just a pun. Their album title pun, I never I never got it. I never got it. And now that I do, <sighs> I'm even more of a fan of Blink One Eighty Two than I previously was. <laughs> God damn. Um, it's like that Green Day song about masturbation, bite your lips and close your eyes. I gotta say, Green Day was like the first Green Day was yeah, like Green more Day. pop, was pop good. punk, but they weren't as like poppy until a little bit later. But right. um, yeah, they were definitely the pioneers of pop punk. And then they just became a rock band at some point. <laughs> right. They had like, like a Broadway around, show. I know. <laughs> but they, they were, just became they, U2. Yeah. But like kind of shittier, way, yeah. like. I like they even that guy still tried to have that like punky anarchist bend, which yeah. is again impossible to have when your net worth is fifty million dollars. But he still did. Yeah. And I remember I, I remember like a moment going like, oh man, like they are because I, I loved a lot of Green Day growing up, but I remember as a mid to late twenty year old going, Okay, they have officially iced themselves in on the other side of lame, which was the moment where I was it was like the, the, they're playing the NHL halftime show, which is already like, okay, but they're playing the NHL halftime show, whatever. And that's the gig. And I remember, uh, the lead singer's name is like Billy Bob. What is it? It's, it's like Bobby Joe, Billy Joe, Billy Joe. Billy Joe Armstrong. Yeah, it's kind of country sounding. Billy Joe Armstrong in the halftime show was like, basically he said the F word in a song like, are y'all fucking ready? And then afterward, he like made a stink like, I don't give a fuck about the censors. And it was just like, it was just like trying to act like you're hardcore for saying the F word on television in 2018 just to me yeah. was like this isn't like this isn't like the eighties where like people gave a damn and were like that's accurate. It was like he was trying to make yeah. it a thing that he said the f word on live TV when no one was mad, right? Yeah. So yeah, <clears throat> well, you know, he needed that pub, I guess. But he did a They ended up going after Bush and shit, and like the American idiot. There was yeah. a lot of it. Like I was thinking about that era. That was like them and like um what was the 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 dixie the chicks band uh well they they just said it out loud it wasn't even in a <laughs> yeah. song right they were just like fuck bush um yeah. no system of a down had like you know the dropping bombs song and stuff there was so much yeah. uh you know going after and that that was when it was somewhat 
counterculture still they go after the president yeah. because it was like post 9-11 and everybody was like bush is the man get him yeah. get him get all of them <laughs> and uh now that like that, that's the thing you see this woke shit you watch movies and like it, it's like it thinks it's counterculture and it's just so yeah. annoying that it thinks it's counterculture and it's like dude the, like the liberals own the media and entertainment and most of news like where's you're the culture like you, what are you talking about like what are you raging against yeah. remember it's when annoying. michael moore michael moore won an oscar and then he was like he his speech was like we're in a fictitious war for fictitious reasons and he got booed like yeah. that was actually kind of counterculture like yeah. at the at time the Oscars, he was saying where other shit. liberals were like boo boo fuck you yeah and now if he did the exact same thing they'd be like i don't know what war you're talking about but yeah like <laughs> what <are> you- <laughs> probably yeah of course Michael Moore, um, boy, that guy. Uh, even just knowing he was right about that, I'm still like, yeah, but he still stinks. <laughs> dude, I, I, he lost me. <laughs> like, yeah, he was right, but that guy stinks. <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, he did the um, Fahrenheit 9/11. Then he did a movie called Sicko about the healthcare system, which I was all in. Mm-hmm. I was all in for those two movies. And then he made this movie called like Slacker Uprising. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. cool. Let me see what this is about. I like Michael Moore. He, I think he has, you know, good stuff to say. And every now and then, and I guess he just released it on like streaming or video or something like that. This is not even before Netflix. This was before Netflix kind of. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was literally just fucking like B-roll footage of people voting for like two hours. There was no narration or anything. It was just like him going around. It was the most boring and non-interesting uh, like just craven cut together just to make something thing I've ever seen. And I was like, fuck this dude forever. He what just was had like to the make thesis. There was no thesis. He was just going around like, like watching people vote. Like there was no, the, like, it was just them, like, like what they're, who they're voting for and why. That, no, it was just, like, yeah, it was like, I like, the thesis came from him doing interviews, explaining it. Like he was like, yeah, I made this movie to show like young people are trying to rise up and vote. And then you're just like watching and you're like, okay, there's a, just a bunch of people voting. Like, I don't, I don't know I will, what you're yeah. saying here. I will give him credit. He was predicting Trump was going to win that first election yeah. all through like 2015. He was like, dude, he's winning. He's winning. Everybody's like, shut up, Michael Moore. You're an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he at but, least started you know, from the middle of the country, so he kind of knows. Yeah. That's true. But, you know, it doesn't bode well when even when you're right and you call it, we're <laughs> still true. like, yeah, but fuck you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is it? Why is, is, is that I he's know, weird looking? Is it, is it honestly that he's weird looking and annoying about it? Is it like, There's why? snarkiness to it. Every liberal, like, there's like, liberals have this thing where every time they're talking it's like they're dancing in the end zone on their point that they're making you know what i mean they can't just like bring up a point they have to like meh it to death you know what i mean every point has to be a mic drop every point has to end with meh and it's like it's like i i always say like i think like the average conservative is 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 dumber 
than the average liberal, but the average liberal is 55 times more annoying than the average conservative. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like you choose between dumb and annoying. And I got to tell you, dumb beats annoying a lot. (laughs) Like, I'd rather hang out with a dumb guy than an annoying guy any day. (laughs) That that is true because dumb can be fun. Yeah, dumb is could be interesting. D- annoying is never interesting. Yeah, I th- don't you think that it's fair to say liberals uh, want to project onto the world the way they see it should be, and conservatives project on the world the way it kind of actually is. Do you know what I mean? But I also think liberals put in liberals put in like two percent more effort, and then act like they're Jesus Christ who are saving the world. Where like they will recycle their bottles or something and then they act like everybody else is not doing anything and it's just them and everybody is ruining this world and this environment and I recycle my plastic. So, you know what I mean? It's like that shit. It's like you do one thing that's conscientious. That should be something that, you know, you, you maybe you should do. Maybe there's a good argument behind it. But the fact that like going back to it's like you're dancing in the end zone with it. Like you're just like rubbing it in people's faces that they don't do what you do. And you, they don't eh, – it doesn't matter. It's just so fucking annoying. It is annoying. I went on a uh, – uh, did I – I don't think I told the story. I went on a date with a lady who um, we were talking about – it's like I guess it's like gender shit came up. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to be more genuine. Is this a like, first date or a second? This is a first date. Okay. Um, yeah. And um, – she asked me like just to kiss so she like so like do you consider yourself a feminist and i have i told you this i think like, you might I have just, said it I, you definitely yeah. told me in person maybe i just I said I, I just go nope <laughs> <laughs> and she was because i'm trying to be honest i don't consider myself a feminist i don't need to Say the word you need to hear to, in your head, think I'm a good person. I will be able to get forth that I am a good person with probably good general beliefs on gender through my actual points, not by just just cloaking myself in a label. So she said, like, you don't like what that like, like how, how can you not? And I, this is my point I made to her. It depends how you just define feminist. Because if you define feminist as someone who believes in equality between the genders, equal treatment of the law, and women should have agency over their bodies, then I was like, sure, I'm a feminist. But if you describe, but if you define feminist as like, you know, someone who's annoying, then like, then no, <laughs> I'm. I'm not a feminist. And it's like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. The type of feminist who just kind of like makes shit up, who just like makes oppression up. That's what I'm not. Yeah. It's, it's just so control. Like um, I watched this movie over the weekend called Moxie. It's like Amy Poehler's, um, uh, she directed it and stuff. It's, just, it's, it's a decent movie, whatever. I don't want to shit on like it as whatever. But I just noticed these trends in movies now where like the antagonist of the movie is just the male gender. <laughs> like mm-hmm. everybody who is male in the movie is just terrible, except for the one guy that the 
the main character is with who she's with and he's like the most like corny progressive feminist man there is Uh, and it's just written like you just like you see characters like you know how sometimes you're watching a movie and you're like oh i know that this female character was 100 percent written by a dude and then you go oh i know this male character was 100 percent written by a female because like the the character is just too good and too perfect like i want to respect your boundaries it just like it's just so annoying. And then, like, the main character or the main antagonist, the, the main quarter, he's the quarterback of the high school team, turns out to be, like, a rapist at the end of the movie. I'm just, like, <laughs> it's so contrived. It's, like, how are you not bored to death by Wait. just going, like, all these men? It's, like, don't you need us? Don't you need us on board? Like, is it, are you going to take over? That's the problem with everybody's ideology is they think that they can just take over and then everybody else has to bend to them. And like both conservatives do the same thing. It's not just this. And it's like, dude, you need everybody to make sure this shit works. Like this is a yeah. 330 million people country. Like you need a lot of people on board to, to make shit work and get it done. And you can't just alienate half the people every time you decide to be in charge. I had this conversation, two things. I had this conversation with somebody a while back. We were like, we basically came to the conclusion that like people don't really have a problem. They say they do, but people don't really have a problem with a system of like hierarchy, like a social hierarchy. They just have their problem with their placement in it. Like they just want to be on the top. But uh, the second thing is the reason you're seeing all those movies right now is because all those movies got written like in 2017 immediately after uh me too yeah they got sold in 2018 put in production in 2019 oh. happened <laughs> and they they waited so now you're seeing them all come out at the same time yeah because you told how, me there was a scene in that movie oh yeah yeah you saw that, in two different movies tell us that. Yeah, yeah tell this the story yeah <laughs> so i was watching i was flipping through netflix and uh when you when you flip through netflix if you just you know, hold on one movie. You can see a little piece of the movie or the trailer. And apparently in that movie, um, there's a scene in a classroom of a girl. Yeah. Moxie. There's a scene of a girl in a classroom. Um, she's, I don't know what race she is. She's not white. She's some kind of person of color, but she's, uh, she's in the room and the teacher's like, we're going to this week or this year, we're going to read some old man in the sea, some kind of like famous great, great Gatsby. Great Gatsby. yeah. 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 And then like, of course, the angsty uh, person of color girl goes, how how come we have to read these books by these old white men? Why can't we read some book by like a person of color and blah, 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 blah. And then the teacher's like, oh, grab a girl, I don't know, because this is a classic. And like, well, why don't we change the system, man? Basically, <laughs> is that scene. So then I was like, I was flipping through. I was like, oh, all right, whatever. I didn't really think about it that much. And I flipped to another show and it was called Jenny and Georgia, I think is what it was. And started watching the preview of that. And the preview was literally the exact same scene. It was a girl of color and her teacher going, we need to read this book. And then the, uh, the, the girl going, why are we reading a book by an old white man? Why shouldn't, why can't we read? I'm like, did the same person write this scene or are they just like, is there just a committee writing these movies? I'm like, now it's just, now your wokeness is just hack. Like it's hack now. Yeah. Yeah. It is a lot of the time. It's if I have to read one more filmmaker bio that says they're activist, I'm, I'm out. Uh, You know what? I'm, I'm over 
have I'm, I'll be I'm over activism being in everything or what you define yeah. as activism I should say right because I don't think I it's actual activism you're making a fucking movie why we need the return of entertainment we got to just be entertained right. like, I just want to be entertained I'm not I don't need to take a fucking shitty woke 101 history course where they try and blow my mind by telling me did you know George Washington was a slave owner yeah we did. Things were different. It was fucking awful. Go ahead, Chrissy. It's like all these people just like read one mental floss article of like little known facts about history. And then they're like, <laughs> oh, well, let me put that on my screen. And, but I, I used to have this joke uh, where it was like, um, it, were, it really only worked in like comedy circles, but it was just like, uh, I used to see a lot of people was like, their Twitter bio would say comedian slash activist. And I'm like, if you're a comedian slash activist, you got to quit comedy because we need like, you're doing a disservice to the activism by like trying to make a two thirty open mic. You know what I mean? Like you could be out there (laughs) canvassing, but you're like, shit, can I get a couple minutes? Can I get on stage? Like fucking quit with the comedy and just do activism. We need that more (laughs) than your joke about. Uh, yeah, and it's like you're trying to turn your activism into a five minute set at an open mic for us. It's like, dude, we're 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 good, we're we're but, fine. We don't need it. I also just like the 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 fact that like there are there is legitimate gripes about systemic racism, but my problem too with with liberals is that they go after things like that are so just non essential to the issues at hand today. Like if we like, I always think that like with things like the Great Gatsby or like with with a like a like a with a program at school where you're reading a whole lot of white men literature and stuff, like those things on the priority list, in my opinion, of what's wrong with today are it's so so low, and I don't can see them being a I don't see them being a contributing factors to systemic racism like. Right. whatsoever and if they are it's like very very little compared to other things so like liberals will complain and go crazy about things like that when there are so like they're just bigger fish to fry at the moment it's like the the monument thing it's like you know okay like we can take teddy roosevelt off the, the museum that's fine but does that it's like the cops gonna stop tomorrow because the statue's gone <laughs> like, is that one is, uh, that was a hypothetical right the well, yeah, there is a well, there is a there's a statue outside um, one of the museums in New York that has Teddy Roosevelt on a horse, uh, and next to the horse, uh, Teddy Roosevelt's on a horse, and then standing next to the horse, kind of walking forward. It, one of them is a Native American person, the other one's an African American person, and I guess it was supposed to be like Teddy Roosevelt, like leading us into the next century with, with these two people there too. But and I guess it's just like, oh, well, why aren't they on horses? It's racist that Teddy Roosevelt's the one on the horse and they're the one walking next to him. And it says, you know, that they're lesser people. And, and maybe it does. And I'm not. But my old point is, even if that's a racist statue, taking it down doesn't stop anything. It doesn't change anything. Like, I think those should be like the things you get to last because you you got done doing all the hard shit first. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they're going the complete opposite way. But it, I mean, it's so true because it's like uh, we just saw another uh, some kid just got killed 
uh, yeah, by police. The army, black kid just got uh, killed yeah. by police. Meanwhile, you guys were busy tearing down statues. So good, good job. And making, yeah, and writing your script about taking the Great Gatsby out of school and programs or right. whatever. It's like you really <sighs> solved it, guys. Yeah, good job, good job. Now that, that you know, but Gatsby's it's also like gone. this thing. It's also like even to that joke where I was like, I am being facetious, but it also is like, it's like, all right, I want to be an activist, but I mean. I really want to be an entertainer. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still want to make some money out of this thing, right? It's yeah, like, you're, it's not selfless. It's like, it's a, you're still branding, which is annoying to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's nauseating. They do this well, all the time. Like, pursuing stand up is an inherently, you know, self involved, like artistic pursuit or pretty much any artistic pursuit. No, is there's, it's self involved. And, activism is at least by its nature supposed to not be that. Although let's be real in this era, there is mostly self-involved activism or it's mostly self uh, aggrandizement. If that's the word self complimenting. Yeah. uh, Under the guise of activism, i.e. take my Instagram photo at this March, like get me a photo at the March so yeah. I can turn, which, you know, that is also like implicitly not activist. You can't be the one holding the camera if you want to call it activism or even if you want to be interesting. <laughs> but yeah, it's, well, that's it's the thing. Really like true. art is supposed to be like artistic expression. And like, you know, if if the art is if the expression is authentic to the voice of the artist, and it happens to be about some sort of thing, activist, and it's very authentic and and real and true to the voice, then I think we all like it. But my problem is most of it's not, and most of it's contrived, and most of it's lazy. It's like these these movies that we're talking about. It's just, it, to me, it's just lazy. Like, it's just like somebody got dollar signs in their eyes in 2017, just like Christian said, and we're like, I'm going to write this movie, and it's going to get bought because that's what's in right now. It's like, yeah, but, it, you know, it's like if you take out the activism part of it, it's like back in like 2013 when when all you had to do was have a um, a script with a beginning, middle and end and have it be about vampires vaguely and it would get bought. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you take it, that's what happens. Like there's certain trends and then they're like, hey, people are buying vampire shit. So, OK, I'm going to make a vampire thing. There you go. It's like, sure, you can be that person, but it's not going to be good. It's not going to be authentic to your voice. You just wrote it as a money grab trying to cash in on a trend. And it's the exact same thing with this whole shit. It's like, it's not like this is an important thing that needed to be said. And there are versions of that. Like when that the first movie came out of Dear White People back in like 2014, it was before all of the stuff. There was a lot of really good shit. And you could tell the person who made that wasn't trying to cash in on a trend and was literally making something that they thought was good. And guess what? It was good. But all the, like all the people who follow and cashing in, like it's just, they just but that, stink. That also probably, yeah, I never saw it cause I don't watch hate speech, but um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, that's a joke. That's a joke, obviously. No, but uh, you know, I, cause I do remember of that and that actually was like, okay, that is like a bit of a moment in the pop cultural landscape lexicon. And it's like that moment or that Ness has, there's been an attempt to just like extend it for the entire last seven, eight years. Do you know what I mean? Like 
It was yeah. original when it came out because, you know, it's an, obviously an intentionally uh, like fun, provocative title. And it, but it stemmed from actual self-expression, not copying another form of self-expression that had been seen. I don't know the exact show, but I imagine it was versions of that corny scene, but maybe not corny since, again, it was original of, uh, you know, why do we got to learn about these white guy authors? Like, it's not corny if it's the first one. It's just, oh, okay, that's kind of original then. Yeah, it's also like it gives a window into the time. Like F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote about a specific time and it's in like, when you read the literature of that time, it's a window into it. And that's why you like stuff like that's important. It's why Huck Finn is important. You know, it's like, you know, and by the way, back then, you know, white men obviously had the highest status in society. So like they were more likely to be writers, you know, than women and, and people of color were. And that's just a sad, unfortunate thing. And, you know, we should, you know, diversify, in a way, like if you're going through a literature, like to incorporate a whole bunch of different kinds to give you different examples and like learn different lessons, like that's very important. But like this lazy shit about it is just so annoying. And then it, it enrages the other half of the country too. Cause it, it's like in San Francisco, they were re- renaming schools and they like said you couldn't name a fucking school after Abe Lincoln that's racist it's like that kind of shit drives people fucking nuts it drives people nuts and nobody's asking for that there is not any person living in you know a shitty situation if enraged at a school being named after abe lincoln that doesn't exist that's not a thing and it goes just goes back to changing shit that has nothing no effect on anything and then they pat themselves on the back and do a victory but, lap and, and dance in the end zone on something that exactly. doesn't even fucking matter. Dude, it doesn't matter. The it's protest, just fucking the, the, stupid. The uh, naming Lincoln protest was led by the family of John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Traitor. <laughs> I've even heard people say, I'm not even kidding, in like, uh, quote, liberal scenarios. If you're trying to say something that's really woke, it's you almost get to present it as if you're above criticism. I'll give this specific yeah. example. So I heard someone say Abraham Lincoln was a slave owner. And you're like, he wasn't. I don't like I'm not being a fucking like far right, like denial of America's dark past when I'm saying he wasn't. He wasn't a slave owner. You can't just say whatever you want and think it's accurate. You have to inform yourself, too, on your wokeness if that's how you so choose to be. You have to be informed, too. You can't just say bonkers yeah. wrong points. Like, yeah. if you know anything about his life, yeah. the dude grew up poor. He taught himself to read. Yeah. He worked on the railroads, and then he became a prairie attorney. And then he went on joined public life. And then at one point, he almost became a senator, but he actually – got to tell you a really interesting anecdote about Abe Lincoln? You ready? Do you, no. This is, all right. <laughs> Abe Lincoln, <laughs> when he ran first for Senate, he ran against a guy – I believe this man's name was Salmon Chase. Salmon Chase and him and then the third candidate. There were three candidates. Him and Chase were splitting the anti-slavery vote, right? Uh, and I'm probably getting Chase's name wrong, but him and Chase were splitting the anti-slavery vote. 
And that meant that this third candidate who wasn't anti-slavery was going to win. And then Chase went to Lincoln and he said, hey, listen, anti-slavery is most important. I think the him and him were like tied. He goes, one of us has to get out. And Lincoln said, I will get out of the election. You can you can win it. Like it's more important that the <laughs> policy of anti-slavery wins out than I get elected. And he did that. And that was awesome. Cut to what a piece of shit. I thought, I thought <laughs> hold on real quick. I thought you were going to say the, the other dude, Sam and Chase was his name. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, he's like, one of us needs to get out of the race. And then Lincoln's like, yeah, one of us needs to get out of the race. <laughs> he just I think it's you, there. Salmon. <laughs> mm-hmm. They just sit there for a moment awkwardly. Yeah, one of us should resign. <laughs> it was Sorry, Lincoln because he, he was a genuinely person who understood that yeah. what was most important for society. He was really spectacular in that way. Cut to 10 years later, Lincoln is a first term senator or maybe second term and he is now running for president and he's gaining a lot of momentum because he has not made many enemies uh nonetheless he is still not in the lead there's a guy named william h seward who would later be named lincoln's secretary of state who is kind of the prodigal son a bit of the hillary effect where he was the kind of he was a rich kid who was like rich and entrenched in sort of given to him. Nonetheless, that Salmon Chase, and I'm getting his name wrong because it's not officially him, but that Chase went in front of the Republican nomination convention and he told the story 10 years ago, Abraham Lincoln, I know he's a good man because 10 years ago when it came to me or him winning, he said, you go forward because he wanted anti-slavery to win out. And it was like a speech like that that flipped the delegation toward Lincoln. All this to say it was an awesome moment where one's initial early career failure because they did the right thing led to them succeeding 10 years down the line. I don't know why I wanted to tell that story, but it's just, I love that shit. That's a good story. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, guys. Thanks for listening. Cancel cancel Lincoln people. (laughs) It's all so annoying. There's a good story. Thanks for listening, guys. There's a good story about that, like with Ben Franklin. Uh, where Ben Franklin had like this thing he was trying to get passed in Congress. And uh, um, I'm just making stuff up, but Ben Franklin had this thing that he wanted to be passed in Congress. And like, there was one dude, he had like one rival who just didn't like him. He's just a dude who's just like, I don't fucking like the cut of that guy's jib. Fuck him. And he wouldn't vote, vote for it. And he almost, he was like trying to get it passed. And uh, he's like, this motherfucker just like doesn't like me. So, um, so he figured out this thing and he's like, all right, this is what I'm gonna do. So he goes up to him and he's like, Hey man, um, can I ask you a favor? Can you like loan me out that book, uh, that you like his fate? He found out like his favorite book or whatever. He's like, can you loan that to me? And like, you know, whatever, whatever. He's like, Oh, all right. So he loans in the book and then he reads, he's like, Oh, thanks so much for loaning me that book. It was so good. Blah, 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 blah. And then the other guy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's awesome, man. I like fishing, too, or whatever the book was about. And then um, so then he got the other guy to vote for him because of that. And the, the, the argument was or the philosophy behind it was like, if you ask somebody for a favor, they're more willing to do you another favor. If you ask somebody for a favor and you're gracious about it and like really thankful, they're more willing to give you another favor. I think that's like a famous Franklin thing, which I totally butchered. But if we're telling 
fucking 1650 anecdotes. The only one I know. (laughs) About, you know, Abe Lincoln and Ben Franklin, two of our greatest presidents. Um, Mm -hmm. So, uh, (laughs) um, yeah, point is, don't be shitty to Lincoln. Go ahead. What? Yeah, you can't have a nuance. You just can't have a nuanced opinion. It's like the reason why Abe Lincoln was taken off the names of the schools or whatever was something along to do with like something about his treatment of Native Americans while he was in office and stuff. And it's like, okay, but he was president during the Civil War when half the country seceded from the country. And like he was trying to keep the countries together. And like that's like the hardest presidential job any president in the United States history has ever had was Lincoln's presidency. And you're sitting here so many years later, 150, 170, whatever it is, 100, whatever years later. And you're just going like, well, now he can't be on schools because a mistake he made in 1862. Oh, when he was doing the hardest job ever. Like, it's just so you can't have a nuanced opinion about anything. You can't be like, you know, who's really interesting? Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson did X, Y and Z, you know, the uh, Louisiana Purchase and like all these other things. And then, but he also <laughs> fucked his slaves. And that's not yeah. cool. It's like you can't have buzzer. a new like we live in the age that killed nuance. You can't you can't everybody is like a child you can't even we can't just have a nuanced conversation about even bill cosby like you can't even sit there and talk about like we couldn't sit here and talk about bill cosby's impact i mean of course we could but like you you wouldn't hear people generally talk about Bill, bill cosby's impact on comedy because of how much of a monster he was but that's the story of bill cosby and it's like important to tell these things and like it it goes back to like whitewashing and taking things out um, it's just embarrassing to do that. Brett wrote a think piece about the script you guys wrote. And in that he t- actually talked about that. I thought it was really good. It's like Christian and I wrote it. We can talk kind of, <laughs> I mean, yeah, not really. Uh, Brett what wrote do, it. And I just wrote a forward to it. So that yeah. was just hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, go, um, go ahead. Chris. The, the, no, I was just going to say, I mean, you guys can bring up that point, but the point that you made specifically uh, in that think piece and telling people where to find it too. Uh, but, the point of it is, is like these things that seem to have good intentions actually do disservices when you try to whitewash and you try to, you're taking the teeth out of the way people actually spoke. Like Huckleberry Finn's a good example. It's like they spoke that way and, and um, it was captured perfectly in a window. Like we have history books, but we don't have books that, that really give you a window into people's how they interacted on a day-to-day level the way that book does. So you can learn about the history of it and that's interesting. And then you could read that book and it just gives you an extra layer of, of how that period of time really was. And it's actually like super revealing and you learn lessons good and bad. You know, it's like the point of it isn't to be like, you should have to read a book because it, you know, affirms all of your life beliefs and then you feel good about yourself. Like you should be right. like, you should be able to be, you know, challenged and things like that. Here's an interesting one. Uh, that's kind of, I, I want to learn more about him specifically, but Andrew Jackson, I was talking with the person who's like, uh, like an amateur historian about Andrew Jackson and the modern, um, in the modern liberal orthodoxy, we are known as Andrew Jackson is known as a like a almost violent Native American hating 
individual and mm-hmm. killer of Native Americans. And I'm yeah. sure his administration did oversee, I mean, I, a lot of Native American genocide. But one thing that gets left out when I was talking to this historian is there were his line of logic was actually that these people are going to get killed by basically the racist white people, put simply. And he wanted to relocate them because he was like, I don't want them to get killed by these people. They're going to get killed. And so, like, that's like a more interesting human take than just like, you know, fuck these savages. Uh, but I don't know. No one's actually going to learn about him. And, you know, he now is just has to be evil. Point is, uh, yeah, it's just easier. People are stupid. Go ahead, Chris. It's weird. Like the, <laughs> our real life, like, uh, the real life people get no nuance. It's all black and white and like gray. It's all black and white, good or bad. Right. They yeah. get no credit. There's no gray area. Right. In them. Meanwhile, the fairy tale like villains like fucking Cruella de Vil and Maleficent get movies detailing why they they're actually pretty good. <laughs> it's just so Wicked, yeah. Yeah. misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're just misunderstood. You gotta understand the real backstory of this fake character that was designed to embody the blackest evil. Not blackest, but darkest right. evil. So funny. <laughs> So yeah. funny. That it's, woman. It's a, it's a great point. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, that, that woman I was on a date with had the feminist discussion, who, by the way, one of her next sentences was uh, one of the people who taught me the most about feminism was actually my ex-boyfriend, to which I said, oh, that's boy. why you're no longer together, because you stop being attracted <laughs> to him. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, one of her other points was, and it was a very admirable person. She worked and um, in the in the prisons, um, trying to basically help rehabilitate people who've gone through trauma and also committed pretty unspeakable acts, um, you know, murder and stuff like that, even sexual assault. And it was funny because she was a person who like was like Republicans are bad people. But then she also had this job where you could try and not view someone who committed rape or murder, like see them as being able to have redeemable, be able to be redeemed. And it was just like, so if you can see a person who committed rape as someone who could become or even still could be a good person, how the fuck can you not just see it as someone who, I don't know, doesn't fully under, I, I, thinks the we should have a wall, even that belief, or thinks that abortion is murder? Like, how are you so fucking entrenched in political binariness that that belief, a Republican, is less redeemable than a rapist? It, it was so incongruent. It's kind of heartbreaking in a way because she thinks she's also very smart. And I mean, she is a very smart person, not she's in yeah. my life, but like, do you know but what I mean? Yeah. But that's like the first step of any type of uh, indoctrination is um, dehumanizing the enemy. It's like when you turn Republicans into the mental equivalent of, uh, or emotional equivalent of whatever you want to say, of, of literal... White supremacists in prison. Yeah. No, but I'm saying when you are, when you can compare GOP, anybody who's a conservative with a rapist in prison, 
because you think they're on the same like playing field in a way or in the same category. It just shows you you're indoctrinated. Like there's a lot of people who live in this country and we have way more in common than we don't. And, you know, and someone's values are just different. Like abortion's a good example of it. It's like, I understand how someone thinks abortion is murder. I mean, my wife's pregnant and like we go and we did a scan yesterday, a 20 week scan where it's on ultrasound and we're literally going through every little piece of the baby, making sure it's all healthy. So you're like, here's the baby's legs. Here's the baby. We saw the baby's liver or sorry, kidney and heart and like eyelids. Like they're all in the ultrasound. You're watching it. Your mind is blown uh, about the sophistication of the technology, but also like it brings it alive. Like this is not just like this theoretical baby that's on the way that'll, it's like, they, I don't know. It's just a surreal experience. And it's like aborting, a baby like that it just like i could see how someone could think that that's wrong it it doesn't mean that i do but it's a very easy thing to think and i also think it's like with guns i where have you where where have you wait where have you and sarah landed on getting an abortion (laughs) (laughs) still up in the air we're gonna give it like 30 weeks and then we'll yeah we want to see yeah we want to see how it you know you know, make we sure. Want see. You know, <laughs> we want to make sure if it's feeble. You know, we'll just get rid of it, <laughs> like the yeah. Spartans. Um, like if no, we get an uh, offer from Showtime, <laughs> we might have to cancel. But it, it's like I think you know, it's like I think that the abortion issue is more of a privacy issue and women having you know issues or you know say over their own body and things along those lines. I like I agree with all of that a hundred percent. But I could also empathize with someone who sees it as you're killing a little baby. And I think the same thing with guns. It's like, I grew up with gun owners. I know a bunch of gun owners. I know people who have guns and they're not shooting up schools. And they think having a gun is important for their values. They think, one, it's cool to go shooting. It's a hobby of theirs. They can go hunting. They can go target shooting. The other thing is a lot of them legitimately think that them having guns is a check and balance of government. That government can't overreach because the fucking citizens are armed. And I think that's absolutely fucking insane, but I get all the other values of wanting to have a gun. I I understand it. So it's like, it doesn't mean one side's good and one side's bad. It just means that you have different values depending on how you grew up. And and the fact that we dehumanize the other side to think that if you want guns or if you want an abortion, you're the biggest piece of shit there is or vice versa. It's just sad. 